Don't laugh, just do it. Hi, I'm Timothy Fitz, and this is... Systems Live! Jeff is so excited to announce the name of the podcast. Uh, but it's good. Well, you know, we're trying to get that get that intro correct, proper, some sort of real intro. I mean, you could, yeah, that was like take seven or so. Mm-hmm. Given how many times we tried to get it earlier. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about today or like every time ever? Oh, yeah, every time. It's always, it's always the second or third take. It's a very iterative show. We're constantly refining... We should probably figure out how to open it by now. So today's episode is all about events that... Real events with have, real people. Yeah, not event buses, which was my first question, um, and not, not the concept of events in programming, but in fact... Like the event at web? Uh, places and things and, and people and... Yeah, the, the event web. It spreads web out from, events. From, Jeff, from Jeff Lindsay. Of which you've you've been a part of quite a few. Well, actually, how did we meet? That's actually yeah, that's an interesting question. So, before I knew about you personally, I saw like Dev House two or three make it onto Dig back when Dig was actually the thing. Really? Yeah. And what was it? What did it say? It was just a bunch of pictures of people hacking on laptops, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. I want this. Um. And so I started Rochester Dev House, and it wasn't until I moved to the Bay Area. What and, year was this? Uh, five or six. Sounds right. Yeah, I, th- I think I was the first offshoot Dev House, or the second, something like that. Um, yeah, then I only ran two, and then I moved to the Bay Area, so <laughs> that got rid of the need for a Rochester Dev House for me. Yeah, I I, th- I think a lot of Dev Houses self collapsed from just moving to this the one dev house yeah a bunch of people that went to my dev house moved to pittsburgh and were a part of that whole dev house all right so what are we talking about what so you heard you saw some people hacking yeah so i saw these pictures of people hacking at a party atmosphere and i was like that's cool oh it's just beer and a house i have a house and i can buy beer so you um, did that. So I did that so like i had i didn't know what dev house was i just called my thing dev house and put people in a room um and uh, and I knew I knew nothing about you even like I didn't I didn't know who was behind Dev House. Um, there was no big picture of me and David. No, I don't I don't even know what existed. Like I don't know if there was a website. All I saw was this dig link. Oh, you didn't even look into it. You're like, hmm, I'm gonna do that. I don't know what. It I, is. There might have been a wiki, and I glanced at it, and there wasn't much on it. Okay, that that'd be my recollection. Yeah, yeah, because I set up a wiki for for the Rochester Dev House. All right, uh, to imitate that. So how did this event go? It was awesome. I had like 20 people in a house that could fit about half that. Um, and so it was actually like a pretty decent party and a bunch of people worked on cool stuff. Um, and it like it worked. Everyone was happy and wanted it to happen again. And so we did a second one. How many did you do? Just the two. So, so and then you went and started coming to the, the real ones. Yeah, so, the, um, so a good friend of mine, David Reed, uh basically gave me a job at apple um as a as a contractor and that was how i got to california and he had been going to dev house uh just coincidentally like like i I didn't he didn't know that i did rochester dev house i didn't know that he went to the real one um and he was just like hey come have lunch with some people i know and so we like met and had lunch i had no idea you did dev house that's probably like the first month I was in California. Yeah, actually, I forgot that's that's when we met, and then but you came to Dev House. Yeah. So, 
super happy dev house was the do event we, do we want to even start with fun house um I mean, yeah Funhouse we could but i was trying i wanted to get i wanted to ask you how while we were on the topic like how did it compare to um your events i mean my event makes perfect sense if you say let's run dev house in rochester and you say that the person running it is in college and so probably four out of every five people there was a college student and like actively going to school at the time um whereas i feel like dev house is a slightly when i started going there slightly older crowd 23 24 25 programmer full time <laughs> yeah like like yeah, ju- yeah. like just barely but the difference is huge yeah because like the real the real dev house which i'm gonna call it uh air quotes around real um was was way more like people doing big things in interesting ways and the dev house in rochester was a lot of people just dipping their toes in um which was basically where i was at in my life too in in terms of like things that i had built um so yeah that that was the biggest difference and like that also maps sort of to the difference between rochester and the bay area it's just like the tech scene in rochester is way way smaller okay so yeah i i guess i should have expected an answer like that but um but the vibes were surprisingly similar yeah exactly that's kind of the interesting part is that the like like the differences are not the interesting part because the similarities right um and it, it was really easy to do so i thought it was crazy that nobody was was really doing that sort of thing at the time honestly people still aren't um doing it in the same way even though there's a lot of hackathons and stuff but um corporate influence yeah i i guess that that had a big uh well it it's influenced it in interesting ways so um uh what what do we uh i I don't even know how to where do you want to start in explaining (laughs) this um well let's let's go chronologically and just sort of cover the high level of sort of your event experience um since mine sort of mixes in with yours anyway so let's can you can you explain what funhouse is because i never went to one so uh super happy funhouse was an event a part it was just a party it's honestly just a big house party that a friend of actually i didn't know him that well his name was david weekly his name is david weekly (laughs) (laughs) uh and uh yeah he he threw uh kind of a big party in hillsboro which is in the kind of a little north of like los altos or i mean more north than that but um in between like mountain view and, and san francisco and um it was a really cool party uh at a house that he called super happy fun house and so it was the super happy fun house party um and it was, I guess it was Mike, uh, the my, the first like big kind of house party. I've, I've been to house parties before, but like I remember, I, I think I actually remember him saying like, um, uh, like it was a legit it, or maybe it was Na- or maybe it was Nathan who said this, but like said something like, um, aren't aren't post college parties house parties so much better or something <laughs> like that? Because it was like, and I, I remember like uh, just because of David's. Um, like network and, and people I knew like 
almost everybody there was involved in software and startups or like worked at Google. Like I remember one party. Um, it was all like creatives and makers and yeah, programmers um, and interesting people. Orca. Well, our people, I guess I would Do say. you remember Orca, this social networking site? Yeah, this, that just got canned? That just got shut down. Um, so the guy that made that, Orca, he went to these parties. He was actually bartending at one of them. Um, a lot of random, random interesting people from the, uh, the Bay Area were there. Um, and uh, But they got so big that he kind of had to, to shut them down. I, I guess the, uh, the local police were often called, and it was kind of in a very sort of gentrified neighborhood, and so they didn't, neighbors didn't really appreciate it, this kind of huge party. Um, and it was sort of a small mansion that this thing was in, like seven people lived in. And uh, so he, he kind of... Uh, scaled scaled them back down to really small movie nights um so instead of inviting like everybody over you'd invite just a couple of people and i don't know how i ended up going to those but um in parallel to that i had been came from the land party scene and um i really liked this vibe of land parties um it's actually very similar to to the dev house vibe and the same vibe that you experienced probably See, I totally forgot about LAN parties because I helped run those in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ran a hybrid that was like a LAN party, except I was teaching people how to program Python, mm-hmm. um, which was an interesting failed experiment. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but I, I guess LAN parties um, were interesting because it was one of the first kind of events where you went and hung out with a bunch of other people interested in computers. Um, and even though they were all gamers, uh, you know, some of them were interested in programming or doing other things like that. Actually, um, I met uh, Andy Shin, uh, who's usually a regular and lives around the corner um, at LG Land, which was the, the first sort of big land parties that I went to. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of Dev House regulars all knew each other from the LG. Yeah, I kind of, sort of inherited that crowd as the LG Lands um, sort of disappeared. So uh, then separately, after LG Lands died down, I started inviting people over to the place where I was working at the time to just kind of hang out and work on projects. And it kind of had a land party vibe except we were working on stuff and we were hanging out and we were doing different things. We weren't like working on the same project. And I remember I was working on a project um, called Ajax War with uh, Adam Smith. And um, I remember, I think... um, Something like uh, an old roommate of mine, Andy Andy Smith, also known as Termi. Um, he worked on like Google App Engine, Jaiku, and ton OpenStack, and like everything. Um, he uh, he was in town, and I I remember actually just like inviting him over, and uh, I think it was just like Adam and one other person. And he came over and he brought a bunch of, and this was like Friday night, and he brought like, uh, you know, a bunch of energy drinks, and he just started hanging out and was on his computer, and he was like learning Ruby or, or Rails or something, as I think that was like the first time I'd ever seen Ruby. Um, and he's like telling me about it and stuff like this while we were also working on this other thing. We are just kind of hanging out. And um, we did that a couple of times. I thought that it was, um, had kind of a cool vibe to it and but this is just like five people and so i kind of imagined what if you had this but like like a big land party um like lg land which was like i don't know 30 40 people and uh so after after the super happy fun house parties um kind of winded down and i started to end up going to these um you know more intimate uh movie nights 
I remember going with Chris Messina, who uh, Chris Messina and Andy Smith, and uh, Chris Messina is known for uh, inventing air quotes, inventing well, whatever, inventing the hashtag. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, he also managed like the the Mozilla community for a long time. Uh, yeah, and a bunch of other stuff. And he works at Google, um, and I pitched. I, I told David I, I'm thinking about this event where we get together with laptops and we work on projects. And um, I didn't know him that well. He didn't really know me that well. And I remember this was kind of one of the classic anecdotes is he he didn't get it. He, he's like, okay, well, pitch it to me. Or like, come back with a pitch, right? <laughs> and, and I just remember thinking, like, I thought I just did. Like, that's all there is to it. You get some people together with laptops and you hang out. And so finally he's like, okay, well, we'll try it. And I could tell he didn't really have much faith in this idea or something. He didn't well, understand kind of it a or, terrible or whatever. Because right. you, like, you like explained how to do it, not, not like, like why, why you would want to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which, I mean, that's, give, given that's like fair. Jeff yeah. Circa, you were like, what, 20? Yeah, 19 or so. Yeah, that makes sense. I would say your pitches back then were uh, probably not so great. <laughs> probably not. Um, so... We did the event, and there was kind of a a, a great validation, um, especially for David. He sort of had an epiphany because, you know, that night, it was kind of a dust till dawn kind of thing. Very kind of land party-esque. And um, there were like less than 20 of us. Um, I remember more people than David remembers. But throughout the night, like people came and left and, and uh, just kind of hung out and David uh, was playing around with this idea, kind of separate from his current startup idea, to do like a hosted wiki thing, because wikis were kind of popular at the time, but they're hard to set up. So he's like, oh, what if I made a web service where you can just like put in a name and email address and you get a wiki? And so he set that up um, and built a prototype of that and launched it at that event. And then a couple days later, like thousands of people were using it, and that turned into his company, which is now PBWorks. But um, that's sort of like, to him framed his idea of like this is the value of this event like you can come and you can make stuff you can try ideas it, uh, it's a productive party um because it wasn't like it wasn't like some kind of like competition or anything it's just like come hang out and like if you want to work on your projects or whatever like go ahead and yeah uh, it was really anti-competitive it was yeah. way more cooperative than than any yeah but not the... explicitly cooperative right Right, right. Yeah, like closer to a co-working space, you can go and be antisocial if you want, but it doesn't quite make sense given the atmosphere, mm-hmm. so it's totally okay to talk to people and stuff. Yeah. And kind of kind of funny story, too, is like one of the first, I remember one of the first um, dev houses, the uh, Brad Newberg, who um, coined co-working and started one of the first co-working spaces in San Francisco. Um, also, Chris Messina later started Citizen Space, which was the sec- like second co-working space ever. Um, they kind of hung out at, at Dev House too, so sort of like kind of a cross influence uh, on of that idea. This kind of like, how about a space, you know, where people can come together and do that? And of course, that later influenced Hacker Dojo. But um, so that's all it was. But it just happened to be that the people that we knew were you know like scott beale from laughing squid which is a really popular blog and andy smith he knew tons of people because he's a popular guy david knew tons of people and so you had a lot of really interesting people at these events and you just kind of come it's very accessible though it wasn't like foo camp 
Um, yeah, that's kind of the magic of, of at least early Deb House to me, especially different from like the offshoot Deb Houses, is that it was both like, here's a cool vibe and place, but also like, here is where the internet actually is physically. Like, you'd be talking to someone about a random technology and someone across the room would be like, oh, I wrote that. Mm-hmm. And you'd how really? Mm-hmm. And then that person would come over and like, you'd both be wrong. And that, that like, like giant leap forward in uh, ability to progress on a problem like in any room you can just be like hey everyone i have a javascript question and like someone walks over and is like oh it's this thing i know offhand yeah it was very interesting and that that seems actually a lot more hard to replicate that specific aspect of it yeah um but uh and, and there are also people doing like new interesting things or experimental things like i remember being excited about a lot of really interesting stuff that people were working on a lot of those projects kind of died but we're still like i'm still influenced today by i mean i got to see a demo of uh uh what's the word lens which was word recently lens, acquired by google yeah. i mean that was like years before it shipped and yeah. otavio worked on that a lot at dev house like many dev yeah. houses in a row and it was really interesting to just see continual progress and and when he was first showing it i don't even think he had business on his mind and I looked at it as like, that's a really cool hack. That's so cool. And then I mean, maybe he did, but he wasn't talking about it. And then suddenly like, oh, it's a business and then it's a successful business and now it's acquired. It's interesting yeah, I'm trying to think there's some other really cool stuff. I remember another, there are a lot of like, I remember we were trying to like quant- quantify the, the, value, the value of Dev, of Dev House and it's just so hard, but like, it's, it's always anecdotal. Like um, I went to a meetup, I think it was a Python. We were talking about Python meetups earlier. I went to one, they would often be at Yelp. And I went there and I ran into this guy, I forgot I forgot his name by now, but like he's like, Yeah, I'm you know, the director of engineering here. I was like one of the first hires and they hired me they met me at DevHouse. Right. So some random guy got a job at some startup called Yelp and became the director of engineering there. Oh yeah, so DevHouse had an absolutely no recruiters policy. Well, I mean that is kind of a subtle I mean, there was a lot of... At some point, it gained it. Yeah, yeah. But, I, well, the thing was, was there was a particular... I really tried to do a lot of engineering around... I, I did a lot of weird experiments, and then other people kind of followed... On the event itself. On the event, like, kind of social experiments, and Joel kind of continued in that. He kind of thought a lot like that. Um, and... Uh, but we're just very explicitly designed in the same way that we talk about like intentional lifestyle design is very, it's when I really got into things like, um, I was really into experience design and, and, you know, like interactive design from games and stuff like that, but just kind of like think about intentionally designing experience and, and how you can sort of, um, engineer people's behavior through like emergent things, like by setting up an environment that encourages certain things. And I had so much fun doing that kind of stuff, and I don't think anybody ever noticed. Um, but uh, like some of the things, like I remember playing with the layout and trying to encourage people to kind of um, you know not be so spread out and like use up so much space so we could fit more people in. So like one trick was, well, we'll actually put more chairs at a at a table than you would. So it's sort of it sort of had that like affordance, like oh, you can sit here, and if and there's another chair there, so I should make sure not to like use up enough space, you know, because someone might sit there. And if you see an empty chair, you're gonna try and sit there. Um, all kinds of weird little things like that. Later on, we tried things like um, trying to encourage more social interaction. We uh, had uh, 
a lot of the time we started we ended up serving dinner a lot and part and that used very like at uh, the original dev houses in the house like the kitchen was very popular because it's where the drinks and the food were and it was yeah, kind so of the social did, center did did uh did the food thing start with tom harrison's uh mother making food i remember she did that once but i can't remember like that was amazing to have homemade uh, no that was like that was like the pinnacle of that but like it started from just like it was a potluck kind of potluck style we told Mm. people that or it evolved into that and people that we knew just started bringing like these amazing actually like tamako rast and the rasts um they made a lot of food and would bring it um and uh, and that you know encourage other people to bring food and like cookies and snacks and all that stuff, um, but eventually we just started like you know also just buying dinner for people. Eventually it turned into like donations know, and dinner. Yeah, went hand in hand. Um, but whenever there was an opportunity, like at Tom's house, where Tom's mom was like, "Hey, you know, you know, love to make food," and it was amazing. Like that was another really kind of magical element of the whole thing. Um, that was later on when we started doing other venues um, after outgrowing you know various other venues. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about how Dev House changed over time because that's also really interesting. So my my personal experience starts with like eleven or twelve. I think that was the first one I was at, um, and so I, I can't really speak to the early ones. But then after that, there was like an obvious shift as it grew. It outgrew any house we could convince someone to let us use, and then it went. I would say slightly corporate compared to being mm-hmm. completely anti-corporate it went well we'll embrace them in in the ways that we think we can do that without losing whatever and so then it was held at sun and microsoft uh-huh. and so could you talk about the early years and then the, the shift over time yeah so i mean I and mean, we went out of our way to, to try and um we always felt like we had creative control with whoever we worked with and situations where we didn't we we're like we're not going to work with them again but, you know, I, I think early on we knew that the environment, the atmosphere was a big part of the experience. It was at a house, hanging out on couches, you know, somebody's house. So there's a person, there's a host, um, you know, there's a kitchen, food, and just all that kind of stuff. Uh, no, like, fluorescent lights and, you know, where you go to a meetup or, like, a lot of hackathons where it's at an office. And it was just so more laid back and casual and friendly and welcoming it's totally different with a laptop on a couch than a laptop yeah. at, a, at a desk or a workspace yeah and uh so eventually we outgrew david's house and i forget where we started experimenting we might have gone directly to like tom's parents house um so tom who got involved with the event um after like the first like maybe the second one he ran the lg LAN events that i like kind of got into earlier and um, he loved Dev House because it was kind of a lot like uh, LG Land, but it was kind of, you know, that he was working in IT. It seemed more appropriate and interesting to him. So he got involved and, and started helping out. Um, this is all, you know, volunteer. And people just started, like, the people that hung out to the very end were basically, like, absorbed into the volunteer force. Um, you were just, like, you know, everybody would help clean up and stuff because it's someone's house. Right? Yeah, we. I mean, we ran that like as almost an explicit secret. It was like, don't invite anyone into the circle that runs unless they volunteer to clean up and stay to the end. Yeah, and that like I didn't know that until I like until one day I was one just day there and yeah. I was helping. It's and like, suddenly, yeah, it was oh, like hey. an implicit secret. Um, you know, as a filter for people that like were really passionate about it and really you know kind of invested or whatever. And I really liked that filter because there was no 
gatekeeper or arbiter. It was never a person you, you says yes or no. It. You just do this thing and then it happens. And yeah. no one had to no one had to gate it because it was just like, oh, the flow is there is this postmortem meeting afterwards and that always happens. And if you're around, please join. Like mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um Randall in the chat's asking, um, do you think something like that would work today? I'm not sure exactly what part or dev house in general, but um I think overall like any of these ideas would work well today and continue to work yeah i mean i think the the i mean we should talk later about why dev house sort of ended if it if it did indeed end or not but um but yeah I, I don't see any reason why you can't do events like that today i think the problem though is that um the corporate and recruiting worlds have taken it over and so hackathon now means prize and also usually restrictions related to whichever corporate benefactor is is putting you in their serfdom um or, or it's run by your company, which is even more offensive to me, um, where it's like, hey, let's come in and work on the weekends, but mm-hmm. it's cool now for nope, no reason. Well I, well, I mean, that's kind of funny because DevHouse actually helped create that trend uh, in a lot of these trends. Um, so another interesting story is um, that whole, I mean, other people probably in parallel came up with this, but I know there's some direct lineage in a lot of startups in Silicon Valley that were directly inspired by DevHouse, including Facebook. So Facebook's internal hackathons um, were inspired by DevHouse. Um, I think there's even like a, a Quora question thing about this, but basically the guy who brought it up to Zuckerberg at lunch um, had been gone to DevHouse parties and he was just kind of describing it and, he's, and Zuckerberg was like, yeah, we should we should do that at Facebook. <laughs> and so they did. Now it's like a kind of a core part of their culture um, is the internal hackathons where people have come up with the like button and all these kind of random things that engineers are able to come up with on, on their own time in this sort of free form. So, you know, it's a little different, right? Um, but a lot of companies would do this. Like, super, I remember people would call them like Super Happy Dev Weekends or something like that, where they would hang out at the office all weekend doing, you know, whatever they wanted as opposed to whatever they normally do during the week. Um, but uh, yeah, so DevHouse continued to be this very non-corporate, um, and like you said, we went out of our way to to keep it non. It was very explicit about the language too, as uh, I would describe it as a non-marketing, uh, non-something else event. And we would, um, instead of discouraging uh, recruiters, we actually would try and channel them into the behavior that we wanted. So we'd say instead of you know blatantly trying to recruit people by like spamming people or leaving you know flyers or like bothering people or using announcements or something like that. Um, just come and hang out and let it happen organically because that's what happens anyway naturally and um and you know because of that a lot of people even non-intentionally like sort of were recruited by hanging out at dev house i mean you really got to know like you'd come is every six weeks so you would come and uh you know see the same people and kind of see their progress on projects i mean it's actually a pretty good way to kind of get to know somebody as a as a uh, you know tech enthusiast, and you get to see you get to see programmers at their most enthused, which yeah. like usually in day jobs they're just not enthusiastic because it's hard to, to yeah, keep on that grind. Yeah, that's an interesting but, point. but on their side projects, like I talk to people and they'd be incredibly passionate about shit that I thought was just so boring. 
and like, that like XML, I don't know, like DT the spec stuff, and I'm just like I couldn't care at all. And you're doing this on a weekend, like that's right. cool, I guess. So the other thing was because it was a place where you'd work on your passion projects, that it was full of passion. So in in like the kitchen where people would be very social or everywhere, everybody's talking all the time everywhere. Um, it kind of there were this there was this kind of natural. There's you know one part of the party where people are working on stuff, and one part of the party where people are kind of more social and then a little bit in between well and at tom's house there's a hot tub and a pool and oh, yeah. barbecuing yeah, 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 yeah. and there's lots of different sort of zones of how yeah. involved you want to be in tech um or in building but those almost no matter where you were you could feel the passion around you and i remember being at the early dev house it's just like my mind was ex- exploding with like how crazy it was I'm talking to this person here about something really cool. There's a person immediately next to me talking to somebody else about something else that's really, really cool. And then I hear somebody else say something else. It's like, oh, you know, it's just like so crazy. Um, yeah, like most parties, I feel socially drained. Like I've been like like forcing myself to put on a smile and forcing myself to interact with people to sort of like get over that like initial social hump. And it's expensive to me. And DevHouse was never that way. I mean, like, maybe I'd have to force myself to go to it. Um, but then, like, once I'm there, like, just conversation flows just so naturally because just everyone's sort of, like, the same kind of person. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. interested in building interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's there's so many moments where that's you kind of realize the impact. Like, people would say, um, I moved here for stuff like this or... Yeah, I mean, Joel. Joel moved from San Luis Obispo pretty much for Dev House. Or, or they would say things like, I found my people at this yeah. party. Yeah, I heard my people. At- Which is interesting because it was not just like scoop some Google programmers off the street. I, I definitely went to quite a few events in Mountain View that were like I would be the only Googler or one of two non-Googlers. And people would assume that I work at Google accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and like specifically, it wasn't all programmers. There's a lot of uh, artists, UX people, yeah. creatives, uh, people just people knitting, like, like yeah, maker stuff. Just, exactly, yeah. It was all over the place. It wasn't too heavy into the like robotics. It wasn't like you have was, to have something were, physical, yeah. but there was everything. There was there a was little robotics, bit of robotics. There was game development, and that was another thing that I'm super. I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe just because of having something like Dev House, like everything else, just doesn't seem good enough. But. <laughs> I'm super annoyed by almost every meetup because of the fact that it's limiting itself incredibly by focusing on one particular technology. Um, and, you know, it's great to kind of dive deep, but it really does, like, you can you can still talk about a particular technology a lot, you know, in, a, like, I'm, like, next week I'm going to Cloud Austin, which is, like, it's more general than, like, a Docker meetup, but they're having a Docker day, and so it's a day, you know, about Docker. And so... There's more value to that, and I think that produces a healthier community and a, and a more you know diverse community and overall you know better community. So that direction towards more general, um, I think, is really valuable. Though at the same time, you kind of want to have a like a solid core. Like the the people that started it were, um, the people that kind of started coming were like fairly interesting, influential people. Um, I think that had a big, you know, effect on its, you know, you know, it did, value, it did know explicit yeah. marketing. 
Yeah. You know, it was, I mean, it was like Facebook and Eventbrite and upcoming back when that was a thing. Yeah, it was all word of mouth. mouth. Right. But it's funny how it would just kind of like in the first bunch of events, it would just double in size um, every six weeks. Everyone Um, brought a friend. And then, oh yeah, I mean, that comes back to like some of that social engineering, but like I wrote an article on that was like how to invite friends to dev house i don't know if you remember that yeah because dev house is hard to explain to people yeah so there's like well let's give them the tools to do that um i got the idea from nintendo they were they did it at an event one time and i was like blown away with how intelligent it was in social engineering like teaching people how to market your event um in a very subtle way so i wrote this article called how to invite your friends to dev house that not only explained it but told you how to explain it to people and why they should come and is that wait? So Derek, you wrote uh, or you made a little cartoon for mm-hmm. Dev House. Is that for that article, or was that? Um, it was around the same time. I don't think it was specifically for that article. But um, and he only came to a couple of events. But because we we're working together on TIG Source at the time, uh, I was. I don't know. I had the idea. So I, I basically I had the idea for something like this to visually, like a comic, and I actually had the basically the uh, like a storyboard version yeah basically like i knew exactly what i wanted and but i didn't know anybody to do it i was like derek eat perfect um and he did it and it was awesome derek you do art yeah and um he made it and it was very popular people still reference it today but it for people that i don't know if we could find it um yeah well we can we can add it to the to the chat later or someone in chat can find it so that we don't um, have to hear you typing through the mic. But it was uh, it was basically comparing two two events. So the first event, it was like two programmers. Uh, they're at a party. Um, there's they're you know holding drinks. They're looking at each other, not saying anything. You can see the background. There's like some people in ties or whatever. And the first guy asks, "So uh, what's your business model?" And they're both like obviously like programmer nerd types. Um, and the other guy responds and just kind of being like frustrated. And that was actually taken um, by um, something Andy Smith said one time, which was he was super annoyed when people would ask, what's your business model? Apparently at one time, and I guess sometimes, but like it used to be very popular. People would ask, what's your business model? Well, I mean, it also used to be really popular to not even really have one. Right. But it still is. I mean, that's why people started asking, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but... But that was kind of indicative of like, well, that's what you're interested in. That's like the context that we're talking about business and like the startup value and all this stuff. When the people, when these two guys, they're more interested in the technology. And this and is also sort of like dot com recovery. Yeah. Like boom bust. So, so what's your business model is also a little bit of business people being like, eh, we're not going to get not going to get fooled again. But no, it was it was this like almost toxic um startup culture influence everywhere so that everyone was focused hyper focused on like the one or two recent celebrity startups mm-hmm. and that I, I believe that's still true yeah. um i if, if anything it's gotten worse like uh it's hard to say because the, the industry's gotten so big that now they care about four or five instead of two <laughs> is that better or worse i don't know but i mean the just kind of the, not the, much it's still uh, the idea was that they're focusing more on the technology or the sorry the the like business side of it and the startup like it's all about the startup like you're gonna you're an entrepreneur you're doing a startup you're gonna make a ton of money you're gonna be the next millionaire or whatever right right yeah that the whole startup that's thing. still a thing that's still huge oh yeah and completely uh and compared to like this uh, culture which i eventually just describe as like hacker culture um 
just wasn't getting enough love. Like, and that's where, you know, there's kind of a balance. That's part of what makes Silicon Valley great is not just that entrepreneurial, you know, ambition um, and all the infrastructure of VCs and stuff, but actually people that are trying to do things, um, just kind of explore the possibility space in technology and try new things just for the sake of it because they think it's interesting to themselves. You know, it's just like, and that's where a lot of really interesting ideas come from. And uh, so if if you don't support that part of your culture, then you're going to get what you basically have now, which is a bunch of like, oh, it's just this startup again, you know, that whole echo chamber thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like hacking is, is, way closer to like pure math where you're like why are you researching quaternions because there is no answer it's just math Mm -hmm. and then like 20 50 100 years later a use comes around for it and then suddenly it becomes an important thing or maybe it doesn't maybe it's never important but you don't know when you're building it. and 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 maybe for you it doesn't matter because you're satisfied you're happy that's what you're into oh yeah that's the thing if you go and you look at like really influential thinkers in the sort of like information field um which like leads into computer science but like what you know turing and um church and all those all those great thinkers like when you read about their lifestyles they were like shut-in hermit half crazy super nerds working on problems that at the time they thought were worthless because everyone else thought they were worthless they just did them because they were so driven to find the answers to these questions they had Mm -hmm. um and you would never get that with a startup yeah, they they think they think on a timeline of four years at the most. I mean, I, I love the the example f- for a lot of reasons, even though it's kind of an overplayed one. But Wozniak, with with you know, he he was just super into building more or less computers and trying to like he was just super into designing the the circuits and like combining things and trying to make things as you know, simpler and simpler and yeah, combining like things. And, yeah, hardcore and. He did that so much on his own that he got, he got he, he actually went through a bunch he made a bunch of kind of interesting computer designs before even the first Apple um, that eventually you know making the Apple is like oh you know it's, this is nobody's done this before um, and then later you know he kind of took all that knowledge and took it even a step further with a bunch of stuff with the Apple II so it's just that kind of you know finding. You know, Jobs arguably like found Wozniak and sort of you know productized that that passion that he had, right? So, um, so there wasn't enough of that. So, the, back to this image um, on one uh, on the top, you have which I actually put in the chat. But uh, on the top, you have one party, and this is sort of the typical Silicon Valley party, or at least that was the idea. And then on the bottom, you have the same kind of thing. Uh, but this one's Dev House, and the background's you know more active. People are kind of hanging out, and I think one guy actually is holding a laptop, like standing up, like talking to someone. And then the same two guys, they're standing there, but instead of saying, uh, "So what's your business model?" he says, "So I've been learning Lisp, right?" <laughs> and then the other guy's like, "Nice, I'm writing my own dialect." You know, it's like you know some super kind of obscure like interesting thing i love that Derek goes to lisp is the nerdiest thing you could think of well i i wrote that oh but... you wrote that i love that you got a lisp is the nerdiest thing. um and that was kind of influenced too by like stuff like that a bunch of people it was like a legit in, our, in our group in our group like we're super into lisp um uh and you know lisp is like super non like it's not like a fancy commercial 
thing. It's not like Ruby or or even Go. Like it's not like it doesn't it's hip. old school, yeah. right? It's super unhip. It's unhip, but like it's something that you're into that you learn a lot from, like the functional paradigm, all this stuff. And so, um, I I felt like it was really kind of symbolic. Of, it was super unhip. It's getting a little more hip now, but sure. yeah, it is. It, it's it's exactly. It's totally non startup, non entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's sort of like these two guys were both into it because they're both that kind of like personality into this kind of interesting. So are you an entrepreneur? Oh, what does that mean? I Um, want you to answer the question before I define it. Oh, (laughs) I'm a um, huh, entrepreneur. (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, and and and. I have problems with kind of both both of these sides. Like, mm-hmm. kind of, there's there's sort of an extreme of like, you know, I'm somewhere in between, I guess maybe or something else. I don't know. I just yeah. I don't. So we, we have a whole I have a problem podcast. with like identifying myself. I can't really like associate with any group. Um, um, but there's I mean, a group this, for that. Don't worry. <laughs> sociopath. <laughs> I open Jeff's fridge. We're, we're at his apartment. I open his fridge, and he has. A half pound of bacon <laughs> and like two two quarts of cold brew coffee and some hummus. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're uh, you're definitely on my uh, most likely to be a sociopath list. Got my I got my eye on you. Um, well, so so yeah, so one we have to do a whole <laughs> podcast on startups and entrepreneurialism and like pros and cons so we've both been through a few and we've we've seen the myth dispelled but also we've we've had you know friends hit the jackpot and and success stories and i think that's interesting yeah um but that's a whole other podcast i mean that's that's startups on the other side like i have a whole thing that's kind of almost anti like hacker culture and engineer type analytical thought which is my own personal thing which is more artistic you would say yeah it's like yeah it's it's basically my 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 rationalization for how i can identify with other engineers in the industry but that's that's also a different topic but um uh regardless like dev house needed to exist to me uh, especially since, like, the way I thought about it, which, you know, I think about everything too much, but there was nothing, there was nothing like DevHouse. There weren't even hackathons. Um, there were, like, install fests and, like, Linux-type things. Yeah, the Linux user groups. Yeah, and people would come together and, like, work. And those were very LAN party s They probably had the exact same vibe. Um, it, there wasn't so much uh, that's focus. really mechanical though the there wasn't so much groups. a focus on like building stuff and new thing you know that kind of like and you know just like all the opportunities right and um, and I thought it was interesting that you know historically because I've said this a few times how much I was influenced by um, a documentary called Triumph of the Nerds which is um, a three part thing that talked about like Apple and Microsoft and that whole story um, which you know super everybody's heard it by now but if you haven't like i think triumph of the nerds is a great place to 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 experience it um but uh one of the things i learned from that was about the homebrew computer club and the homebrew computer club i kind of saw a lot of similarities one uh it was just a bunch of random people that got together with this interest in this idea of computers um that didn't really exist or you know the idea of 
computer-related technologies. The personal computer didn't really exist, and there were computers, but, you know, they were talking about, like, the Altair and stuff like that. And, um, and it was not really sponsored by any company. It was very open, just people coming together, and there's, like, some structure to it. Um, yeah, I feel like the, the like biohacker body modification scene is in a similar place right now where like that's not mainstream and there's no accepted practices. So everyone's doing their own thing. So at a meetup of those people, you're not like sharing established knowledge or teaching people. It's not like a Linux user group where it's like oh, the answer is known mm-hmm. or could be known. It's like, no, no one has any idea and everything is creative yeah. by definition, right? Yeah, now. actually, I love that. Like, everything's creative just because everything's new. And yeah. so what a lot of people were doing at those meetings was showing people their cool hacks that they were doing. Like, some guy um, got the Altair to do to run something in it at a certain frequency and got it to, like, play sound out of a nearby radio. Like, crazy <laughs> hacks like that. <laughs> That's awesome. And, of course, you had, like, uh, you know, Wozniak come in showing off the Apple and stuff like that. Um, and so that, like, I thought that was the closest thing to what DevHouse was. But the weird thing was, was there's nothing like it once, once, once what that, uh, that event kind of, you know, arguably, you know, was, you know, kind of a birthplace for the culture that led to the personal computer revolution, which then became super commercialized. And then a lot of the people that were at that event worked at big companies at turning these big corporate things, um, the homebrew computer club stopped and there was really nothing in the like early nineties um, or even like, you know, in the eighties so much, but like there's that during that time of like super commercialization, there was like no community, like no well-known community or venue for people to do that. But there were, there were like the closest thing were maybe meetups, user meetups, but it's like, there is, well, there is the conference that cannot be named. I mean, the, I think I can name it, but I don't yeah. know that you can, so I don't want to name it on um, but that you know that's like a conference. Yeah, it's pretty close, but uh, but it, not regular. That had the same problem that like Foo Camp had, which was it's closed off. It's exclusive. Yeah, because we're talking about an underground conference that's not that underground. I don't care anymore. It's called Hackers Conference. <laughs> okay. Um, I just don't want to out you since there was a book called Hackers that kind of also went over through all this, all these stories of like influential hackers, um, and uh, the idea was let's do a conference where we invite everybody mentioned by name in that book to come. And they can talk about whatever they want. It's very open ended, um, but it was also like very um, exclusive. And uh, right, the only way to get in right now, unless it's changed in the last five years or so, is to have someone who's been already sponsor you, sponsor you, and then have people like you and invite and they invite you back. And if you don't work out, like, or if you do something wrong, like mention the <laughs> event, um, the person that sponsored you could get kicked out like super just stupid i mean whatever they have their reasons right but right but um, but, but it comes off as fairly elitist coming yes. from homebrew computer yeah. club which was very like yeah. non-elitist yeah. yeah um oh and and also it's, i think it's really interesting that joel moved to the bay area because of dev house and then went on to run a kickstarter that rebooted homebrew computer club for one more event with the original people like that's this crazy full circle of events yeah well you know that's because at the at when when Dev House was getting popular, um, we had a very uh, influential um, uh, one of the one of the best articles written about it was in the Mercury News um, by a, um, I think her name is Nicole Wong, and she wrote this amazing article on us. And one of the, I mentioned in the article, like I was trying to 
or kind of collectively, but like in particular, I was trying to resurrect like the spirit of homebrew because there was nothing like that. There was no venue or place like that where people can just be passionate about technology in general and kind of like have that creative like outlet and inspiration, everything, right? Um, and Lee Felsenstein, who um, sort of was like the, the moderator of the Homebrew Computer Club, and he also designed the Osborne one, uh, first commercially successful portable computer. Um, he saw this in the paper, which is really great. And he's like, oh, we'll see about that. Like, <laughs> So he came to the event, and I remember he uh, you know, didn't really say anything. He just kind of came and hung out, which a lot of people did, but they had vet things. And he wrote a blog post afterwards, and he was kind of, he was a very analytical person. He was kind of criticizing, like, well, you know, there's, these were all the problems with it. <laughs> um, this is how it's not like homebrew and, you know, all this stuff. But he kept coming back. And so he kept, and he just kind of, beca- and then we noticed that he was there, and we started talking to him. And because we, you know, Joelle and I were super interested in homebrew and, and um, that kind of era. And um, so we actually invited him over to a lot of like dev house um, planning meetings and stuff like that and asked him talk, you know, shared ideas on like, how can we get people to interact more, all this stuff and talk more about his ideas and his vision. What, what did homebrew computer club never, you know, achieve? What did you want to do? Yeah. And he is surprisingly old to be going to like parties full of 25 year olds (laughs) at this point. Yeah. But what's funny is we had such an age range and it worked. We had had little kids coming. We had like people from the the, the older generation of hackers coming. That's why it's weird to describe it as a party. Like I I probably made more friends over the age of 60 at that event than any other possible way I can imagine. Yeah. So so he, you know, continued to stay involved all the way up till you know Hacker Dojo, and um, and then yeah, him and Joel to try to to reboot in historical. Joel super into a lot of historical stuff in, in computing, so they they did that Kickstarter for that um, homebrew um, sort of recreation. That was really cool. Um, so, but yeah, that's also a diff, sort of an artifact of the Div House um, phenomenon, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah, the banner. Um, oh man, there's so much to talk about. So can we can we quickly go over the just like myriad of other events that that you put on, sort of? Because because like like Dev House worked, and it worked for a little while, and then I feel like and and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like then you looked around and went, okay, what other things can we do this to? Like this is cool. What else is what else is out there? Let's experiment with more things. And so from that, EduCamp and ThinkTub and what what else? I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I did a lot of experiments, but part of that was because I knew from DevHouse that it was easy to do these experiments. And what I think is more interesting is that it influenced other people to do experiments. So another story that I like to tell is um, the, uh, the, you don't see a whole lot of them, but every now and then you see events that are called like Bar Camp or Something Camp or something like that. Um and a lot of those kind of have this heritage back to the original bar camp event. And so there's there's Foo Camp, and that was put on by O'Reilly Media, and that was invite only, and yeah. it was like celebrities. Yeah. And then Bar Camp was Bar Camp was uh, a bunch of people, mostly people that hung out at Dev House, and uh, specifically I remember from this blog post, Tontek, uh, uh, Tontek Chalik, I always forget. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, Ryan King, who I think eventually later worked at Twitter. I forget where he's working at the time. But um, uh, they were coming home from the second dev house. And they were talking about Foo Camp. 
because apparently Tontek was um, something like he was almost invited or not invited. And he's like, oh, well, we should just we should just do our own for everybody. It's sort of like an alternative to it. And, you know, it was they're sort of like, well, why not? Like it's, you know, these guys doing Dev House, they just got together at a house. So why not, you know, just try and do this other thing, like try it. Um, you know, super just like grassroots, just like whatever. Um, and so they did. And it was kind of an interesting story because it was, there's like maybe five of them. Oh, Matt Mellenweg also came to a lot of those early dev houses who, um, wrote WordPress and runs WordPress. And so, um, Matt and Tontek and, uh, Andy Smith again, and Ryan, a couple of other people, Eris, and Chris Messina, uh, they got together and kind of brainstormed this idea of, um, more or less the same format of what the hackers conference was, which is you could describe as like open spaces or whatever. They're like more people know about this, but it's open format where you don't have a, you don't have an agenda. You just have people show up and you have a grid of like slots and rooms and people just come up to it and write what they want to talk about. And people just sort of self-organize and go. So it's kind of like, or they called, you know, an unconference is what they call it. And bar camp was one of the first like super big, like, conferences and actually kind of spun off and there's like bar camps all over specialized bar camps generalized bar camps um and well, so so there was only there was the original bar camp and then as far as i know there was bar camp block and then nothing mm-hmm. like in terms of like the, the original, original crew yeah. putting on which is really interesting to see one event and they only put on bar camp block because like so many other bar camps had happened that it was like whoa it's weird that we haven't done one yeah um so that's like how how did that even happen i don't know um, so I wasn't around for the original Bar Camp, but I did go to Bar Camp Block, which is in fact where uh, I published Continuous Deployment for the very first time. I like, wrote it up on a note card, and then like 10 people showed up with like, what is this? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, very small and intimate. And I'm like presenting um, like some PowerPoint I wrote the night before on my laptop, just like pressing the space bar, and everyone's looking at the laptop screen in front of a bar. Yeah. Uh, so... There, there were the, one of the interesting things I liked about Barcamp that DevHouse didn't do very well was they des, they like they designed the idea of Barcamp to be around replication. Mm-hmm. So um, they did that a lot better than DevHouse, and so basically everybody that was there was sort of trained to understand that this idea is easy, it's repeatable, and you should repeat it. Which is not necessarily what the message from DevHouse, like explicitly, right? But it was explicit, sort of in the like culturally um, in in Barcamp. And they tried some interesting branding things. As far as I know, it's the first open mark, uh, community mark, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I, I don't know if that actually worked out, but the idea was to try and that was sort of where the idea came. from. I mean, from. I would say it worked. Like they had like one egregious violation of their name, and the community sorted it out by basically shouting it down. And I mean, but the, as a social construct, but not as necessarily like a legally defensible like concept. That's true. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know anything about the legalities of what they um, do. Nor do I doubt that they could hire a lawyer to figure it out, which yeah. I'm sure you just could do. So, so a lot of neat stuff came came out of um bar camp and then i didn't even know until that sort of like closing remarks where Tontek was like and you know we were just kind of really kind of inspired by you know what these guys were doing at dev house and it was funny like because i knew Tontek, but he didn't know me and i was like oh i he thought it was david's event a lot of people thought it was david because i'm sort of the quiet one uh and uh and then that's when Tontek started talking to me <laughs> um 
uh, or probably just, you know, had something that he could talk about with me. But, um, so, so bar camp was really neat. Um, and so I took that idea. I was like, well, let's try other things. And, um, we, I did an edu camp. So kind of taking that bar camp idea and doing like an education oriented one. Cause I was really into that for a while. Um, a random kind of, again, super organic event called ThinkTub that we mentioned when we did the Idealized Design Show. But it's basically a, you know, get some friends together and do Idealized Design for fun. Um, um, I'm, I'm sure I did other events that I don't really remember. Um, but another thing that we did with a bunch of people that met sort of in the DevHouse group was um, we kind of also liked the idea of DevHouse as... Um, in comparing it to like the old uh, like French salons from the from the Enlightenment, where like there's like kind of you know some socialite would basically just invite people over to talk, and they were just all you know brilliant people and just kind of hang out and they would you know talk about ideas you know whatever's going on, um, and uh, a lot of interesting things came from those and pe- you know kind of mixing of ideas and stuff, and so um, that and. Uh, I, I once heard about how uh, Bill Gates would go on these retreats where he'd like he doesn't read books and so he he or he'll like put he'll put a book on his reading list and then at the end of the year he goes off to a cabin and brings all those books and just like reads all those books like without anything around so it's just it's kind of a cool idea and so I said to Joelle that we should do that um, and then also just bring our friends and so it so it's kind of like a salon meets book reading retreat and so we would um, uh, kind of just get together and no internet and go to some isolated place and bring books share books read the books talk about stuff um, that was kind of a neat uh, idea you kind of turned into like like a mastermind group or something like that too um, which was a neat thing and uh trying to remember if there's anything else I, I, I don't know what did you write anything else down <laughs> uh stuff to cover other other events but no i don't think i have any i don't remember what all, they were all called we did a bunch of think tubs educamp i mean educamp was super interesting to me um uh heck the future also the future spun out of that was pretty that actually came out very much towards the end of of super every dev house yeah. but a lot of the dev house people Wait, quickly what is it uh, it was the idea had been around in the DevHouse community for a while, which was DevHouse for Kids. So the core, like the the original thing was, if we were kids, when we were kids, we would love to have had something like DevHouse. Uh, was the sort of kernel of the idea. So we talked about doing a DevHouse for kids or reaching out to kids, and certainly we tried to get people to bring their kids to, to DevHouse. And we were, you know, pretty friendly to kids. Like, it wasn't, like, super... People were drinking and stuff, but, like, it was yeah, still... Yeah, there, there were beers, but no one was getting smashed. Um, and Although there were interesting, like, the early part... <laughs> okay, there, there used to be partier versions of DevHouse. Um, but uh, well, eventually yes, the idea turned into... about 11, <laughs> I should say. Yeah. The, the uh, Joe Mathis was the one who finally kind of got people together and um, do a hack the future. They're originally calling it Super Happy Future House or something like that. Um, and I had already kind of had my like I kind of had problems with the name Super Happy Dev House. You know, 
first it's super long, you turn it into an acronym that's meaningless, people get the acronym wrong. I remember people actually wrote a sign. They were helping out to organize, they wrote a sign on the door to say this was Super Happy Dev House, but it was like S S D H D or something like that. They got it was like huh? Um, but people got that wrong a lot. Um, I ended up just calling it Dev House. As did um, everyone, yeah. Some people would still call it SHDH. I'm like, why are you going through what's this SHDH? It's not very easy to say. Um, so as I tried to tell them not to go that down that path, and I suggested Hack the Future, um, and so they decided to use that, and um, is very successful. It happened after we did an event at the Tech Museum in San Jose because that was sort of the I guess the 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 thing that the event needed was a way to reach children like how do you get kids to come to this event or whatever and after working with the tech museum they were like well we have mailing lists of like parents that are totally interested in stuff for their kids to do uh and we thought that was a great place to start and tech museum actually was you know they that was like the first venue reopening tech museum too that was really early for the tech museum no the tech museum was around forever Oh, am I, thinking, I, I grew up here, so... Like, am I thinking of computer science? Yeah, computer science. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Computer history museum. Yeah, that's, that's what you're talking about. Um, which is where Joel's been doing some events and stuff. Um, but, uh, the yeah, so the tech museum was kind of neat because I was super into that when I was little. And then I eventually, like, we worked together on doing Dev House, um, which was kind of neat. And which led to doing uh, the Hack the Future event. And Hack the Future was it was a little different than Dev House. It was um, it was a little bit more like um, it had some structure to it because these kids were super used to structure. In fact, they would always be like, we did feedback forms and they were like, tell us what to do. And, you know, we were really trying to encourage self direction and all that. So we set up um, stations, but still be very open ended. We set up stations with different activities where volunteers would come and like do Unity programming or programming Pong. And we got Al Alcorn because Lee Felsenstein got involved. And he's like, oh, my friend Al's into this stuff. Um, and Al wrote Pong uh, at Atari. And so he, he would come and sh- teach people how to solder. And um, so basically, volunteers from the industry Facebook, Google, DevHouse community would come and set up activities. And then the kids could just come and like figure out where to sit down and work on an activity with this group. And if you know they're not into that, they can try something else. Or if they don't want to do anything, they can just go and play Minecraft or something. Um, we explicitly designed it like our rule early on was like don't tell kids what to do. So it's always just like offer them options and you know see what happens. So that's um, something that's still going on. Um, and then of course there's Hacker Dojo, which kind of was the yeah. Before we get to Dojo. On, on the events, TIG Jam? Oh, TIG Jam. So mentioned Derek U before and TIG Source. And TIG Source is... The independent uh, gaming source. The it's independent gaming source. It was started by um, this guy, uh, not Derek, but um, this back when indie games didn't really exist, it was more like you just called it hobby games or something like that, or freeware. Um there was a, I guess the community at the time, not really, this is through Derek's um, uh, interpretation, but Derek, uh, I think he described it once as like the community in hobby games and, and whatever at the time was very like almost like overly supportive. You know, so people would like websites that feature people's hobby games. They're just like, look at this cool game. Isn't it great? Da, 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 da. Like just very supportive. Right. And there's a site called Tig Source that would just like kind of rip them apart. Right. <laughs> and it's very honest. Right. And uh, Derek, I guess, really appreciated that. And he, he eventually 
I don't know how he got involved, but he basically took it over. Um, and uh, it became a place where people kind of gathered around um, indie games, and it attracted, maybe because it was so like critical or whatever, it actually attracted people um, that were uh, doing like pretty cool stuff. And uh, eventually there were forums set up. I remember setting up forums for TIG Source. And, um, Which is where then Minecraft went on to be announced. Yeah, Minecraft was put on there. Fez was announced on those forums. Um, a bunch of other kind of interesting indie game people used to hang out on the forums. Even though the, And the blog comments were like a whole different... It's like the whole like everything bad about like the games industry was also in there. So you had all these people... And actually people hated the TIG source forums just because it was very like... They're very... You know, in a way, very critical and very kind of mean, and, and all this stuff. Um, but it's it's strange how all this interesting stuff would emerge from it. And um, so, Tig Jam. So, during uh, so the you know place where these people, these indie game developers, would get together was at the GDC, and eventually GDC had a track called IGS Indie Game Summit, and that was uh, sort of. Uh, run by uh, Matthew Wagner and Steve Swink and um, although not originally I think Simon Carlos was sort of the, the original guy and um, so that sort of created a, a one place that indies would actually gather that was kind of a almost international like place for people to gather and um, that led to a lot of kind of friendships in the indie game scene and at some point, I think, I forget who proposed the idea, but the idea to just, like, get together with a bunch of these indie game people and, like, work on indie games. And um, it was originally Matt Wagner, Derek Yu, and I and to, to sort of organize this. And the first two were at uh, Matthew's office in uh, Phoenix uh, mm-hmm. at, at uh, Flashbang, or uh, what's called Yeah, Flashbang now, Studios. And... Uh, a bunch of cool people there, like um, uh, the uh, the Meat Boy guys. Um, yeah, I met Danny B there. Adam Goo, Dan, yeah, Danny B. Um, it was a Dan really, Tabar, really crazy, uh, talented. See, but a lot of those people weren't famous yet, which is what's crazy. Is that to me? Like, I went to a party yeah. with twenty people, and out of them, I think half now have like commercially really uh, successful. Indie Adam games. Atomic. He's he's the reason why I found out about Austin. Um, and moved here ultimately. He introduced me to Fantastic Fest. But, um, so, and I was, basically, I, I said, well, um, and there were a lot of like competitions and stuff like that. They were again very competitive. And I was like, well, let's just, you know, kind of inspired by Dev House, I was like, well, let's just make it open ended and, um, let's, you know, go for a goal of making something at the end and we'll do demos and stuff at the end, but just otherwise be very open-ended. And it felt very, it was almost like starting Dev House over, but with this game development subgroup, which was very like these super talented people and really fun people. Like those people are just amazing to hang out with. Um, and so that was really fun. And then Tig Jam, again, just like grew, it got very more and more popular. And now we hold them at Hacker Dojo and, almost like dev house it's like i'm kind of just don't want to organize them because it's too much work um but uh so that's another so what's event. next take jam uh daniel and also i ask okay so jeff has no idea and he's working on it we we're talking about it on email but we don't know um 
So, so Take Jane was cool, and then it, ironically, it moved from Phoenix to the dojo, which, is a, View, which yeah. is a great se- segue. Yeah. So um, the the part of the challenge with Dev House was eventually like having a venue, and we did uh, when we outgrew David's house. We tried some other places. We were at like random warehouses or like someone's house in San Francisco or whatever, like just random places, trying to maintain that the like vibe. And eventually we got big enough that we had to work with bigger companies. And actually one of the first ones was Sun Microsystems. And they were very like, they, uh, most of the companies we worked with were people that approached us. And they gave, gave us a lot of leverage in terms of throwing an event that we thought was still Dev House. And, you know, they would give us resources and we'd be like, we want to do this, we want to do that. And they would do it. Um, eventually... Someone was like, oh, we should get Google to do it. And then Google was like, oh, sure, we'll give you a, we'll give you a space to do your little event, right? And, and they're like, and these are the rules, right? And, <laughs> and uh, it's very, very hands-off. And it was probably one of the, I mean, people still enjoyed it, but it was not people's favorite event. And, um, yeah, that was a weird one. I so, mean, it felt very much like you were just in a Google office. And, and at the, but we wanted to, and Palantir was another one. Palantir loved us, and they were really great at, at like, they got the thing, and they actually helped us start they their house operations in, the, in D.C. Event, and everything. Yeah, good. so there were companies that got it, and we really appreciated it, but we also wanted to never, like, do one with the same company a bunch. Right. Because we wanted to maintain this concept of vendor neutrality and community-driven and all this stuff. So we would intentionally rotate um, when we did have to work with companies sponsoring. I remember it feeling a little bit like a deal with the devil. It was like, well, we'll do this, but only if we can get all of our like things written into yeah. the contract. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and we really tried to work with people that approached us because that gave us sort of the leverage to do you know, give our demands. Yeah, and it definitely it like tripled the stress of running the events. Because well, at the same time, like, like the event runners, yeah, it was, it's it was bigger. Weird. They would help out, but at the same time, so Put their demands get mad, things happening. What, what? So, what? It became easier to run the events. It became harder to find good venues. Yeah, that was, and then get everything set up. I remember All there the was a period of work, time where uh, we were like announcing late intentionally to drive down attendance so that we could fit into the better spaces, which oh, was yeah. really weird. That was like a whole year of that, and that was really weird. <laughs> yeah. Growing pains. As again, though, like kind of, int- I thought that was super interesting that we could use that, and 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 like Joel <laughs> super got really into the idea that we we're like, it was a tool that we could use to like engineer people because we weren't gonna, we never set it up to like limit people. We didn't have a number of tickets or anything like that. It was always open ended, and so we really grew as big as the place could handle. And if there were just too many people, people would naturally leave. So. Yeah, like I remember the, the first one in San Francisco was at a house, warehouse space, and people just started turning around and leaving. Yeah, and there's not a lot we can do about that. But Yeah, uh, I mean, for a, for a money, like for a thing that doesn't make any money at all, mm-hmm. you know, you, you live with what you can get. Yeah. Um, so uh, so it, be, it was difficult to find venues and the idea was what if we started our own venue um, that was also that not only was a place where you could hold events like Dev House and allow people to experiment with new events and creating communities um, that it itself would kind of try and be a 24-7 version of Dev House like it would always be the Dev House like spirit just come here work on stuff hang out like always a land party kind of thing was the vision and then you know kind of co-working as well because it's a very similar idea and so that's where hacker dojo came from and so hacker dojo you know 
inherited a lot of uh, support from the community from Super Happy Dev House. Yeah, I mean, I was a founding member. Most of the, like, they made a plaque for the founding members because um, you had to, like, pay three months in advance before the space had been signed on. Yeah, we did and, a lot of really interesting things. And those were all Dev House people. But yeah, then yeah. it seemed like Dojo really took a life of its own Yeah, it became, it, like, it attracted a whole new audience, uh, you, you know, because it's a 24-7 space. You need people there. And, you know, it was all volunteer run for the first couple of years. But it was also, like, it was a space. Like, it was an offering, which is very different from DevHouse. DevHouse is like an event. It happens. It's once. It's over. Whereas, like, Dojo is like, this is a tool that you can yeah. use that might be useful. It was also, you know, an actual nonprofit. It had to sustain itself. It took a while to become an actual nonprofit. But, yeah, yeah. It, it was run. I mean, there was someone looking at finances. Yeah. Um, outside of what does my credit card say I spent last night? Yeah, um, and that's a whole other story. Like a lot of really neat stuff came out of that, and is a really interesting story of how that evolved. Um, yeah, and at the time that Dojo started, DevHouse was going pretty strong. Was oh, I mean, it was it when it was to when DevHouse was when Hacker Dojo was in, like announced the idea. David, so David, like I kind of pitched the idea of DevHouse. David pitched the idea of Hacker Dojo. And he did it at DevHouse 25, which was not that poster, but a different poster. Um, and then that sort of kicked things off. Um, it took about nine months for it to actually happen, I think, from then. Um, and yeah, that was maybe the peak of DevHouse, because then you had uh, 30 and a bunch of them at Tom's house. And that was, yeah, around the time the DevHouse was at its peak. And eventually, um, right around the time when it started to, like, start slowing down stop happening as often there was actually uh you know from the a oh, rainbow mansion i forgot all about that when we did a bunch of them at a, at a house in um cupertino and they ran a lot of other similar events too yeah so they went off and they, they actually just started a new space in san francisco uh the well they started the embassy but they also just bought a new space too and started a new thing jesse started a new thing oh, that's cool i didn't know that. um do you know the name uh no okay um but it's, it looks really cool. Um, and they also started something else, too. That, um, they're super into the, the idea of like co-living and, and kind of that whole thing, creating a living space and, and all that stuff. Um, which was also like we threw that around that idea around for, for Hacker Dojo, but we were like, well, there's a lot of drama that comes with living spaces and people sharing where they live. So it turns out there's a lot of drama even without that with Hacker Dojo. So um, I don't necessarily recommend it. But... Um, I love that they're doing it because there's really cool cool ideas and cool things that can come out of that. Um, so what was I going to say? There's like super happy... Uh, well, so do, let, me, let, me, let me just drill in on that for like one more Palo second. Alto one. Do you remember that? The big like... So one of, one of the people in the DevHouse community worked with the city of Palo Alto to throw a downtown-wide event. Oh, yeah. I, I, had, I had just moved out. Called... I just left the Bay Area for New York. I don't remember, but it was like it was like Dev House. It was like there were multiple Dev Houses and other things going on. It was kind of what something I had block right, uh, super happy block party or something like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. Um, and it was really cool. And it was kind of like I almost envisioned like if Dev House kept going and I could keep doing whatever I want, and had infinite resources, it would almost turn into uh, almost like a a a. a uh, a theme park for hackers. A theme park, yeah, where it's like, and this is kind of what I would imagine the Hacker Dojo campus to be. It's almost like the Facebook campus, 
but there's all these different things going on. There's right, but without a corporate overlord and with independent right. autonomy, right. and, and anybody's and, well, it's more like a pub. It's more like a library, but it's like this campus, and there's like fun stuff going on. There's you yeah. know movie theater, and there's a you know a tech shop, and there's a, you know all kinds of things going on, um, which maybe could happen someday if if Hacker Dojo is able to like someday fundraise and build its own campus or something, but. Um, it block party was kind of a um, an interesting like prototype, or, you know, a, attempt at that, and it was pretty successful. People liked it. I didn't have anything to do with it. Joel was involved in that a little, though, more advisory. What were you gonna say? Um, yeah. So, like one of one of the interesting problems to me with both Dev House and Dojo that I've witnessed is that people are so passionate about what DevHouse is and their specific experiences that they want to shout down anything that moves away from their specific experience. Like they're, they're, they're so passionate and involved that it turns minor issues into big arguments and it, like, it makes running these events surprisingly stressful. I mean, Or, or it can. Like it, it, I've seen it devolve that way. Um, where like just two people are really really passionate about their vision for this event that doesn't have an explicit vision, and then their visions don't align, and then every decision they make therefore doesn't align. Yeah, it's like yeah. one of the more interesting hard problems of of decentralizing. I, I didn't structures. see that as much with events. I don't know if you remember any specific examples. That's um, super true for uh, Hacker Dojo and that community because of the the investment. And yeah, like and in Dev House, like people event, would people, walk away. Like, oh, it's like, I don't, it's I don't think people would walk away from Dojo, but they'd walk away from Dev House. Like, like they'd walk away from a meeting, or they'd walk away from a frustrating interaction where someone doesn't get their vision for it. Um, in Dev House, I saw it a lot but with like that. people who wanted like a, a completely, totally quiet room at the party, and then people who wanted every room to have booze and be loud and party atmosphere. And oh, yeah. like, like you, well, you see like people with really passionate opinions on either side of that. Yeah, I, I don't remember that being a. a problem though because we tried to basically we would try and accommodate every, all of those as much as the venue would allow us um and we I, i'm pretty sure we always did okay but we also sort of were like the, the neat thing about dev house was each one was an experiment so it didn't matter that much it's sort of like well we'll try better next time right or whatever and so it was kind of like we explicitly tried to say well this is what we learned from it at the end we explicitly did postmortems or retrospectives or whatever and um and we didn't always like we always documented them yeah but we, i mean but, we do what went right what went wrong yeah what do we do for next time but it's um very like agile planning almost uh but and the thing is like at the end of the day um pe- pe- people are pretty easy to please like unless it's a terrible experience like overall the majority is going to be pretty happy because you're going to mostly do things right I think coming out of it, that's what I've learned. And as an event planner or like the author or creator of anything, you see like all the negatives. And of course, people that are involved or invested and they see their negative, like they're going to be unhappy. But you think about the overall like result of it, and generally everybody's ha- like, there are some dev houses that are like, ah, oh, everything went wrong and like all this. But people are like, oh, that's my favorite one. I'm like, what? Yeah. Um. So you know. Yeah, when you're when you're running the event, it's much harder to understand how it's going. Than when you're actually participating, that was definitely true. Um, did you run any? Did you? I think thought you did. I ran the door and I ran the lightning talks. You were involved in lightning talks. I never, um, at least when I was helping, it was always either David or Joel, sort of like spearheading. 
and I didn't really want to deal with interacting with the big, big corporate people and negotiating with like Sun and Microsoft. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't sound fun to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides, like running the lightning talks was like I spent the whole day doing that. I didn't get to hack on anything, so it was its own whole project. Yeah, I. But you know that lightning talks in a way made help helped add like that extra like thing that defined dev house i think yeah which is a whole i mean i'm sure we could do a whole thing on on lightning talks sometime or we would just do five minutes because <laughs> <laughs> like honestly i'm i'm super annoyed by like um unless you know that it, unless you're gonna go all out and like record it and make it a big production i don't like long talks and so that's why i don't like most meetups like almost every meetup the talks that they have or the talk or whatever they could just be uh short lightning talks and if you did that more people would do it you like it would be easier to find people yep um so i mean we like i said that's a whole different thing mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i mean I'm, I'm ironically getting into podcasts a lot recently for sort of the same reason like long form is hard to do with high production but with cheap production where I don't care that much about any given minute, I'm like, oh, this is boring, I skip forward. There's so much podcasting content out there from people that I'm interested in that, like, it's the opposite problem. It's like, oh, if there's ever noise, just skip it. Skip 15 minutes forward and see if you care again. Or contributing to that noise. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. But, I, but I'm, I'm finding that, that like, uh, um, the internet has pushed everyone into short-form media. F- Five-minute lightning talks are really useful and really nice. Um, and, and for events, you want that short form, bite-sized, consumable in the same way that for the internet and for spread and for viral, you want short and bite-sized and consumable. But what I'm finding is that the, the value that I'm seeing is coming from the long form that goes deeper than the bite-sized because I know the bite-sized about most of the things I'm interested in. And so they, they form different functions. And, and I completely agree with these meetups where you get like, okay, there's one or two speakers. It's the Python meetup. And they're going to spend the whole time talking about packaging issues. Like, I don't... I don't. I will always hire people to deal with packaging issues if I can. Like I never, ever, ever want to deal with that stuff, despite having had to do a lot. Um, it's boring. There it's used there used awesome. to be this saying at conferences that the real value of the conference was in the hallways or whatever. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. Oh yeah, that brings up a great event. Uh, yes by yes yes. Okay. So yes by yes yes is which I haven't been to, but you have a completely unofficial offshoot. As far as I know, it's completely unofficial of South by Southwest with that observation. South by Southwest as a conference sucks. Everyone who goes there regularly knows this. This is not a secret. No one talks, like, no one's hiding it. If you just Google, everyone will agree with this. Um, the panels all suck. The speakers all suck. They're all hungover from going out and partying the night before. So, yes, by was like. My okay, talk was pretty good. Well, all the speakers suck without question. <laughs> I think I just. Yeah, I think my wife was on a panel there. Anyway, uh, whoops. No, no, no. So, yeah, whatever. Um, so Yes by Yes Yes was like, okay, why don't we just get those people to go to an event somewhere else that's cheap? Because, uh, like, where doesn't matter. It's all just people traveling somewhere. So why not go somewhere cheap? Um, and then just run an event that's, like, free, unstructured party the whole time. Um, and, like, there there would be, like, meetups, but, uh, like, so I went to one that was called uh, Champagne and Socialism, and it was just let's talk about non-capitalist forms of uh, 
structure. And I talked a lot about basic income there. So it was it wasn't like pure or hardcore socialism or communism or anything. And in Champagne, it was a party environment. Like mm-hmm. it was this like conversational tone that I love from Dev House. And that was just it for the whole party. But then also like, you know, at night it was a, a fairly wild pool party and it was cool people. So it was still very much party yeah. in the South by Southwest way that most tech conferences are not party. Um, so I really, I really, really enjoyed it, except for the fact that our car broke down and we spent an extra week in the hot sun of horrible, horrible where, where uh, was it? Southeast California. Where was it? Uh, Palm Springs. Hmm. Oh. So uh, I think in in general, like conf- regardless of like, cause there are good conferences. Like they have like great speakers, absolutely, you know, and all that, but. At the same time, like one of my observations going to, like, we used to go to a lot of conferences, was um, one of the biggest values of going to a talk was being introduced to a new idea. Um, uh, you would, if it was interesting and you were sold on the idea, which kind of ties into the idea of like education as um, uh, inspiration or motivation. But you get introduced to an idea, you're going to, you know, if it is interesting to you, you'll look it up on your own afterwards and learn more about it. Um, The other thing that a talk does is it shows you, it's sort of like an interesting um, people categorization thing. All the people in the room are interested in that same topic. Um, And so the the big things that a talk will do is, one, identify someone who's considered maybe an expert and identify a bunch of people that are interested and introduce maybe a new idea or new ideas. And then you can do that pretty pretty quickly. And so an efficient version of that is more or less a lightning talk, not necessarily that you would have much people. But like that, the idea that um, the real value of a talk is often those things more than the content of the talk, I think was a very kind of valuable thing to identify. Um, and then, of course, after the talk, people have real conversations and, and you look into things. So, so I've been learning a lot about um, teaching and sort of like the tech workshop environment. We have like one or two days. Um, and like it's really boring if you don't have interactive sort of activities where like people break off into groups and talk to each other about things. It's weird that conferences don't do that. Like how great would it be if it was like an hour of the talk and then an hour of like semi-structured, semi-unstructured group discussion about the talk and mm-hmm. like integrating that talk into your, into your life. Like that would be so great. And then, like, if the talk sucked and you don't care, you just walk out and you go to a different talk. Yeah. You don't have to stay for the... I've seen, usually, like, not as big scale, but I've seen conferences set up... I'm trying to remember. I think Twilio tried to do this at one of the the first ones, but... Or maybe it was another conference, but they tried to set up where they had two tracks, and they basically never had two things at the same time. And so, in one room... There'd there'd be be, gaps between. There'd be gaps, and you could use that gap in that one room to, to... hang out and talk about that last one or if you wanted to you could go to the other talk and then there would be one after that i forget where that yeah. was or if it was even really tried but PyCon, at least um man so i haven't been to PyCon in like 10 years but the last time i went to PyCon, they had a couple rooms that never had talks in them and then at the end of a presentation sometimes but not always but most of the time people would be like well if you want to talk about it more i'll be in room 307 yeah. or something um and then like i was just sitting in one of those rooms and the person in charge of every different implementation of Python at the time, like like 
Guido in charge of CPython and Hugh Gunin in charge of uh, Jython. At, or no, at the time he had just moved to Microsoft with Iron Python and like the Jython guy who took over and the PyPy guys. And they just like sit down at a table next to me. It was like the most magical experience um, because they had just been in a like in a, at a talk talking about yeah. this stuff. Um, yeah, I, 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 so this actually these kind of conversations. Um, I, there's so many cool ideas. And it's really interesting, like the way that um, that uh, we've kind of thought about events. Um, I kind of break it like I've tried to document a lot of this stuff. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast like this, talk about some of these ideas. Though, um, for the longest time, I wanted to create a, and this kind of dates the idea, but I wanted to create a uh, wiki called Event Patterns that would just identify all these different patterns of things that you can do at an event, um, different variations of lightning talks, all this stuff, and and make that a uh, shared resource for people that want to do events. And they can just kind of like, oh, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and they can build your own event kind of thing. It would, it would be nice to, to build that language, too, so we can start and, talking yeah, about other exactly, event Yeah, exactly, and have and, names for things yeah. of all these ideas. Um, super cool idea, uh, Never did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been there. I mean, I own uh, de- deploywiki.org or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Wiki's like turned into a non, like it just. Wiki's where an how, idea goes to die. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like the idea of a wiki has just become so ubiquitous that you just don't need to call things wikis. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's just an editable web page. Yeah. Just the web as it was intended in the first place. Oh man! Well, that's what is this? Yeah, that's forty minutes. <laughs> uh, that was a good pause. So we still have to talk about the dojo at some point. Not this podcast, obviously, but that one. That maybe we should bring in somebody from the dojo current to, to talk about that. That'd be cool. Um. Yeah. So, uh, oh, we didn't do this section where we talk about what we've been doing recently. Let's do that mm-hmm. quickly. Ten mm-hmm. seconds. Yeah. Ten seconds. What have you been working on? Writing blog posts. Jeff is writing blog posts. I mean, yeah, I've been working on uh, this e-learning workshop stuff that's coming out like next week, hopefully, finally. Uh, I'm getting prepped for uh, my my big, uh, you know, honeymoon, forty day honeymoon that you're a part oh. of. Yeah, I'm just gonna hang out. Yeah, on for on part honeymoon. of it. Um, yeah. So our next uh, our next podcast is next week uh, on Friday at two. But then uh, we're doing two more, and then we go on a hiatus for like six weeks. Maybe we'll have some content come out. Then. Maybe I'll do something because I won't. I'm not with you your whole honeymoon, so <laughs> maybe we'll maybe we'll bring out some of the archives. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm Timothy Fitz on Twitter. Jeff is Program on Twitter, and uh, yeah, if you sign up on Mixler.com/slash/systemslive, you get an email when we go live. Um, and also you get an icon in chat and you can hang out with us. It's, it's a lot of fun for us at least. Um, and yeah, we're on iTunes now. Uh, you know, if you can rate us or review us there, I think that, that helps too. Is that, is that it for marketing? I hate marketing. No. I mean, yes, that's good. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So that's been uh, episode, I don't remember, 47 or something. Uh, thanks Let's for... Let's call it 138. Thanks for listening. <laughs>